Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, SFFEI listeners, and welcome to Backlist to the Future. Our bi-weekly installment of recommendations from the deep and sometimes dusty corners of science fiction and fantasy. Because one show every two weeks is just not enough to cover all the books we want to talk about. I'm Sharifa Williams, recording March 11th, and today I am talking about some backlist must-reads. But before I get into my picks, I'm going to tell you about today's sponsor, which is Book Riot's very own podcasts. If you love this show, you're bound to love many of our others. Check out our newest podcast, Adaptation Nation, for discussions of adaptations both beloved and new. Subscribe to Red or Dead for updates on the world of mysteries and thrillers. Or download SFF Yeah, as you know, for happenings and recommendations in sci-fi and fantasy. Don't miss When in Romance for updates on all things kissing books or Hey YA for excellent conversations about young adult lit. We've got a show for everyone. Just go to bookriot.com slash listen for a full list of all our podcasts or simply type Book Riot into the search bar of your podcatcher of choice. It'll bring up the full stable. Your TBR and the podcast shape hole in your heart will be full. Happy listening. All right, let's talk about some SFF backlist must-reads. And these are, of course, my must-reads, books that really stayed with me um, and captivated me when I first read them that I kind of want everybody to read. And the first book I want to talk about is a fantasy classic by a iconic author, Terry Pratchett. And I'm talking about Small Gods. So I've talked a lot about uh, the Tiffany Aching series, which I will love until the end of time. But Small Gods was the book that when I came back to Terry Pratchett, after having sort of uncertain feelings about his work um, as a teenager who didn't really understand the stories terribly well, uh, Small Gods was the one of the first books I picked up that I haven't stopped thinking about. And then I tend to recommend to everybody who wants to get into Terry Pratchett's work, which is kind of interesting because, you know, I love The Witches of Lanker. And normally you might think that I would recommend those books. But this is sort of like Small Gods is like this sort of tidy story that has really great character arcs and really great story arcs that are satisfying. And you can definitely get into this one. It feels very much like a standalone. So I tend to recommend Small Gods. It's also like kind of a great example of how Terry Pratchett can, you know, write stories that involve 
a giant cast of characters and do an amazing job of just like kind of keeping the story moving along while also giving all of the characters a really fleshed out um, story of their own that intersects. So Small Gods is, as you might expect, a very satirical take on religion and it focuses on Brother, who has an eidetic memory, and Brother is the eighth prophet of the great god Om, who has turned into a turtle or a tortoise. I can't remember which one, uh, but he's turned into a turtle, a tortoise, because it's in the desert, right? And so Om is in um, an unhappy place. Brother is also very skeptical of Om because why would a god turn into a tortoise um, when a god is supposed to have be, you know, he's supposed to have all these powers and be able to do anything. And then we have this villainous character, Vorbis, who's the head of the Quisition, who takes up brother uh, brother on a mission to a sort of diplomatic mission, I guess, accompanying him to Ephib as his secretary. And the thing about brother is that everybody thinks of him as this really unintelligent person. Uh, he has this eidetic memory, so he has this gift, but he does not think in the same way as everybody else. So a lot of people think of him as unintelligent. He's he's never learned to read. Um, he goes along with things a lot. So Brother is met with a whole bunch of characters who kind of shape how he thinks um, and sort of helps him think for himself a little bit more. So that includes some philosophers that he meets um, along the way on this diplomatic mission. Meanwhile, there's all sorts of trouble brewing. There are uh, religious groups and there are political groups who are all out for power and Om is on his own mission to try, you know, to gain followers and retain power in his way as a god. This is the problem of the gods is being able to have belief, have faith, get followers, and stay powerful. They gamble on power, that sort of thing. So Brother is trapped. He's sort of this um, unexpected figure trapped in all of these uh, machinations that are brewing around him and cause this big struggle and all sorts of strife with all sorts of people. And there are all sorts of philosophical conversations that happen and conversations about religion and religion's part in politics as well, and also violence and warfare. So it's just a really cleverly written, sharp satire featuring fantastical elements and libraries and... Uh, philosophy. So I will forever recommend Small Gods to anybody who wants to get a really great taste of Terry Pratchett's thinking and writing because 
this one is very satisfying and you don't have to know everything about Discworld to get into it. I certainly didn't when I picked it up the first time. So again, that was Small Gods by Terry Pratchett. Uh, my second must-read is a science fiction novel. This is a more recent book. It's Severance by Ling Ma. And I've talked about this a few times, and I think a lot of you who have been listening to this show for a while probably know that I have, for some reason, been reading a lot of pandemic-related fiction. Um, it's not necessarily a thing I am trying to do, but the books that seem to pique my interest, even in these times, tend to have some sort of pandemic pandemic element to them. Severance is one of those novels, although in this story, it's a fungus-related pandemic. So it's not a virus. It's a fungal infection. And it has a very, this is a very different sort of pandemic story. It's also a very different sort of zombie story. So the people who are affected by this fungal infection, which is called Shen Fever, are stuck in a time loop doing just mundane things, rituals that they conduct every day of their lives. So they're just stuck in this time loop and they're nonviolent. So you don't have zombies running after you in this story, but it is still fraught and terrifying and horrible. To think of just being stuck in the same task day after day and, of course, you know, perishing because you're not doing all of the things your body needs to do to actually survive when you're stuck in these time loops. Um, and so the story really centers on this character, Candace Chen, who's like the picture of millennials. She is living in New York, uh, working in Manhattan when the pandemic hits and she has this job she doesn't really love. She works in publishing um, for a company that that publishes really um, extra, I guess I'll say, Bibles. They have their very designed editions of Bibles. So she has this job when the pandemic hits. She's broken up with her boyfriend. Uh, she finds herself uh, pregnant and she's kind of alone. She's not kind of alone. She feels she's she was isolated before the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hits, it just further emphasizes her isolation and her otherness. And so she's living in New York by herself. Her parents have passed away. So she feels adrift and untethered. And so she's one of the last people to leave New York when the pandemic hits and after its repercussions have really come into effect. And she's one of few people who's unaffected by the virus. So she hasn't gotten Shen fever, but she's just sort of wandering through the city adrift. She has this photography blog and she takes pictures of the abandoned city under the moniker New York Ghost. That's her handle. 
And so we just see her kind of processing what's happened to the world in this strange, dislocated way. And eventually, you know, the, the story goes back and forth in time. And in the present day, she has met this group of survivors who are also unaffected by Shen fever. And she's taken in and they have a leader named Bob who is telling them all that they will find safe harbor at this place called the facility. And Bob seems to be the only one who knows about the facility. And that's why he's their leader. He's guiding them there to safety. And Candace is a little bit skeptical, as you might expect. Um, and so when they get to the facility, that's when Candace realizes that her skepticism was, you know, proved true and all sorts of challenges come up for Candace as she's trying to survive in this new world and also, you know, find some sort of community. So this story has a lot of themes that you will commonly see in zombie stories. It's very much about capitalism, but it has a very millennial angle. A lot of the stuff will probably resonate with millennials, um, and it takes place in the past, a different past. So it takes place um, up to the end of 2011. I had to refresh my memory about that. I knew it was in the 2000s somewhere. So it's an alternate history that looks back in time. And I just, this book is one of the pandemic reads. I read this before the pandemic, like um, Station Eleven, I believe. No, I read Station Eleven during the pandemic. Never mind. Uh, but I read this bef this one before the pandemic, and it sort of keeps popping up to the surface out of all of my pandemic-related reads. And I just think it's it speaks to a lot of millennial issues and a lot of current issues. And I think that if you can read a pandemic book right now, this is the one for you. So again, that was Severance by Ling Ma. And those are my must reads. I hope that you find something great in those backlist recommendations. SFF Yet is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. If you have a moment, please review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps people find us, and we love to hear from you. And you can find me on Instagram at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. Until next time. <laughs>